And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 344. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome to the Only Thor podcast, hosted by a true descendant of Odin and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. So, Avengers is out. Yeah, still haven't seen it. We'll probably see it next weekend. Yeah, hopefully I'll have some sort of a, I don't know, semi-review something. I don't want to be too spoilery so soon after the movie opens, but looks like uh, it's done boffo business the first weekend it's been out. Uh, over a billion dollars this opening weekend, which is just, I mean, when you, when you think of how long it used to take a movie to get to a billion dollars and how big a deal that was. I've heard mixed things about the movie itself, but you know what? I'm not going to pay any attention to that. I'm going to go ahead and see it and make my own judgment on it. Hope everybody is enjoying it, though. So we don't have a lot to talk about here at the top of the show, and that's pretty typical of times when we are shifting gears as we are this week. So this week we are going back to some... uh, territory that we haven't covered since 2017 and i know that chris bendorf is going to be so excited about this because we are actually going to be covering the last six issues of hercules unbound you knew it was coming folks you know eventually you know you start something you know i don't like to abandon it you know but what's interesting about this and we'll talk about this more at the end after we've actually covered the issue, is that this issue is actually a big turning point for the series. There's a new creative team, at least in part, and that includes legendary Thor artist Walt Simonson. So let's uh, find out what, um, yeah, what's going on with this last half of Hercules Unbound after the music. Hercules, hero of song and story, Hercules, winner of ancient glory, fighting for the right, fighting with his might, with the strength of ten ordinary men, Hercules, people are safe when near him, Hercules, only the evil fear him, softness in his eyes, iron in his thighs, virtue in his heart, fire in every part of the mighty. So before we get started with our review for this week, I just wanted to talk really briefly about DC's fantasy line. Hercules Unbound was one of a series of books that was issued in the mid-1970s. DC was looking to branch out and try a few new things. And because of the popularity of Conan the Barbarian over at Marvel, the powers that be at DC decided, let's try some fantasy characters of our own. So they introduced several series basically all at the same time. Amongst these uh, these experiments were, other than Hercules Unbound, there was Claude the Unconquered, there was Stalker by Steve Ditko and Wally Wood, there was Starfire, which was sort of a weird pseudo-fantasy 
Barbarella kind of character. It had nothing to do with the Teen Titans. I don't know if the uh, character appeared in more than a couple of issues. And of course, the one that was the most successful out of the whole bunch was The Warlord by Mike Grell, which of course has been published for many years and I believe is still a uh, key property over at DC. So initially, this book was created by David Michelini, which is one of his earliest mainstream comics works and had art by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, and inks by the aforementioned Wally Wood. Wally Wood's fingerprints were all over these comics. Wally Wood at that point uh, was dealing with some major health issues as well as uh, his alcoholism. And he worked on these issues right up until the time that uh, he had his stroke in 1978, uh, at which time he really kind of stopped working in comics. He lost most of his vision in one eye. That was kind of the end of Wally Wood's career. So this is among the last comics that Wally Wood ever did. And he, of course, was the inker on these issues because that was something that he could do. Apparently, he was a fairly quick inker. And you can tell that by the pages themselves. So anyway, uh, so now that you've got a little bit of recap, so Hercules Unbound, basically the idea of this was Hercules was trapped on an island in the Aegean and this yacht shipwrecked on this little island and the people who were on the boat including this blind kid and his dog freed him and they immediately started getting attacked by the uh, god of war mars now in the midst of all this the earth was subjected to a nuclear war so this is what has become known in the dc comics canon as the great disaster i don't know if This series is still canon in the DC universe. I rather doubt it. This is well pre-crisis. And of course, this book was not wildly successful. It was the most successful of the fantasy line outside of the Warlord. And I'm not really sure quite why that is, because as we've seen in the first six issues, the, the quality is, how do you say variable. Anyway, so uh, let's go ahead and and start with our coverage of this issue. Uh, So we are looking at Hercules Unbound. This is number seven. The cover date is November of 1977. Cover art is by Rich Buckler, inked by Wally Wood. Shows Hercules, and he is being zapped by some kind of a lightning spell by this old man in a purple and yellow outfit. And he's, this uh, old man has kind of got wild hair. It looks kind of like what he's uh, zapping him with looks like kind of like a lollipop. Uh, that's kind of this, yeah, kind of this big lollipop thing. It's a nice cover. Uh, Rich Buckler is, you know, is, is a great layout artist. And the one thing that I will notice that is just staggeringly obvious when you look at this is that Hercules has no nipples. Well, it's DC Comics. It's the 1970s, so nobody has nipples. So anyway, uh, there's a cover, Borb, the most sensational superhero of all, and we open up to the splash page. And we have the credits. Of course, David Michelini was the writer. Walt Simonson was the penciler on this. Wally Wood is the artist. Milt Schnappen was the letterer. Jerry Serpy was the colorist. And Joe Orlando is the editor. This is the October-November 1978 issue and retailed for 30 cents. I remember when this came. I remember when the comics went up to 30 cents. Uh, anyway, so uh, the story opens in north-central Scotland, and there was a uh, a truck, it looks like a semi-trailer, that was wedged into a 
mountain pass, a narrow mountain pass. It says, having been to Scotland and actually being very fond of Scotland, I don't think that any of those mountain passes are particularly narrow. But anyway, so they find a truck there and it's blocking it. So Hercules lifts the truck over his head and is getting ready to get rid of this thing. And he says, stand back, my friends. This metal behemoth shall block our path no longer. And there's a guy here in a jacket. I believe this is a Dave. Well, we'll we'll get reacquainted with the names as we go. But this is the uh, guy, the guy from Chicago who was kind of kind of half there in the first six issues. Hey, what does that bozo think he's doing? No one can lift a two ton semi all by himself. No. Uh, Hercules throws the truck against a rock with a giant crash because I guess it gets it out of the way. So anyway, and he says, uh, perhaps, David Rigg, you would do well to put less volume in complaints and more faith in gods. And uh, you can see in this panel here, we have a close-up of Hercules' face. You can see that the art has changed, but we'll talk about that more at the end. Anyway, uh, Dave Rigg is the uh, guy from Chicago, and uh, he says, yeah, oh, well... And we have this uh, young woman, and her name is Jennifer Monroe. And she says, don't be so hard on Dave, Hercules. We're all a bit frazzled. I mean, hoofing it over the highlands for three days straight isn't exactly calculated to put stars in your eyes. I sure enjoyed it when I did that, though. Uh, and then we have the blind kid and his dog. And um, Hercules says, perhaps I have set too fast a pace, Jennifer Monroe. If so, I apologize. But I'm eager to witness more of this strange world. And if young Kevin's directions are accurate, there should be something of great interest beyond yon stone wall. And uh, so Kevin is the uh, the blind kid who is supposed to be about 16, but at this in this panel, he's very short compared to everyone else. So I think they, uh, uh, unless he was sitting down, which I guess I suppose that's possible. Um, yeah, he's, he's out of proportion to any of the other characters. And uh, the stone wall that they've discovered is actually hydroelectric dam. Uh, and uh, Dave says, stone wall? Sheesh, muscle man. Are you ever out of it? This place is what you call your basic hydroelectric dam. I used to work installations like this back when I was an engineer in Chicago. That must be interesting for you, mortal. But nevertheless, our goal lies beyond. So I suggest we proceed to that objective in as direct a manner as possible. And they go climbing up this, basically, it's a sheer cliff, climbing basically straight up, um, not up the, the dam, mind you, but up like so sort of escarpment next to the dam. The caption says, the climb is steep, short, tiresome, but energies are soon renewed with a touch of a cool, moisture-laden breeze. And uh, the dog goes, yap! And... <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin says, I know, Basil, I may be blind, but I can still hear. And from the sound of those waves, I'll say we finally reached Loch Ness. And here they are. They are on what indeed looks like a loch, though I've been to Loch Ness and it doesn't look anything like this. But anyway, uh, so this is Loch Ness. And Hercules says, so this is the home of the legendary lake creature you've told me about, eh, lad? It looks so calm, so peaceful. Not at all the kind of place you'd expect to find monsters. And there's a snap from uh, near where the three of them are, or the four of them are standing. And there are three beautiful women that come striding out of the woods. 
and not surprisingly, they are dressed in this sort of ancient Greek-looking uh, garb. And there's one with black hair, one with blonde hair, and one with red hair. Uh, because that's the way you assemble your beautiful women in comics. Uh, so Hercules is immediately suspicious of these women. And he says, get behind me, Kevin. I've learned not to trust anything in this age, even the most innocent of visions. And <laughs> um, so he pushes Kevin behind him. But surely, good sir, you can see that we mean you no harm, say the women. We are but members of the Order of Tarn, a most benevolent society. We saw your approach and wished only to invite you to rest and sup with us. Please believe that our only pleasure is to serve. And to serve you, good sir, would be a pleasure indeed. And uh, Hercules is saying, uh, I know not. There is something too convenient about this encounter. And Kevin is like, Man, Herc, it's a free meal. And the caption says, For a moment the man-god hesitates, and then with a reluctant scowl gives in and follows after his companion. Unaware of the bent and wizened figure that watches from a hilltop nearby, and this is the old man who was wearing the sort of purple and yellow outfit like we saw on the cover, though in the book it's a different, very different color. It's a sort of pale gray uh, and a sort of really pale yellow. So, it's, yeah, it's really not exactly this. But he does have the big lollipop, so there, there you go. And it says a figure whose cracked and flaking lips curl into a crude mockery of sly satisfaction because you have to point out his chapped lips. Anyway, it says, Soon after, under the heady influences of good food and sweet wine have driven suspicion away. And so everybody is uh, around this big table. There's a lot of people here. So it's not just these uh, three women and the old man. There's actually quite a few. And they're all sort of dressed in this weird like ancient Greek garb, which doesn't seem suspicious at all being in Scotland. But anyway, um, and, uh, <laughs> the one person who might have the excuse for falling for this is Kevin. He says, uh, see, Herc, people aren't all bad. And uh, Dave says, yeah, I just wish Simon hadn't decided to stay in England. This feast would have knocked that old gourmet on his ear. So Simon uh, was the uh, the old British man who was traveling with them for uh, for the first six issues. I, my friend, says Hercules, perhaps I have been overly doubting of late, and it's indeed difficult to remain distrustful among such a sumptuous repast and such pleasant company. And he's looking at uh, the red-haired woman who is a part of this. But suddenly, uh, Kevin says, Hey, Herc... I don't feel so good. And he collapses. And apparently everybody collapses all at the same time because uh, they're all kind of laying on the table now and they've spilled their drinks. And the uh, these Greek people who are in the highlands of Scotland are saying, you should have been wise to retain your suspicions, godling. The drug we planted in the wine has already sent your friends to oblivion and you will soon join them. Nay, rogue, says Hercules, your potion may work on mortals, but the blood of Zeus flows through my veins. It will take more than tainted wine to keep me from punishing this deceit. And there's a giant fatat as Hercules is blasted by some sort of energy beam. And the caption says, prophetic words, man-god, for more is exactly what you get. And we shift scenes. Uh, well, time passes. And we say uh, an image of this old man kind of coming into focus as people wake up. And it says, blackness fades to gray and shadows coalesce into form as reality filters back through a rainbowed haze. And it's this old man. 
Good. I see the effects of my staff of power are wearing off. I am Casper Zed, and I bid you welcome. Casper Zed, wow. Okay. <laughs> hey, why don't you just stuff the pleasantries, Pops, and get us out of these ropes, says Dave. And the dog is going, grr. <laughs> and Hercules says, alas, David Rigg, I'm afraid the old one has no intention of freeing us. In fact, judging from the way he staked young Kevin out near the shore, I'd say he has a far grimmer fate planned for us all. And uh, yeah, so uh, David has been uh, staked to the ground. Uh, he's been bound by his uh, arms and legs, and he's just kind of laying there. I guess if you're going to sacrifice somebody, sacrifice the blind kid. I mean, he's, he's the least useful anyway. Anyway, so the old man is like, uh, Oh, no, my brawny friend. It is only the boy that interests me. Oh, my. For it is in that particular youth's death that I shall find justification for my life. Yes, a life spent in anonymity, an emptiness so great that it finally led me here, in hopes of discovering the fabled Loch Ness monster, and at last proving to the world that Casper Zed matters. And we see uh, Casper Zed before the war, and he's just dressed like a normal person, and he's got cameras and telescopes and stuff uh, looking at the lake. Only my search was unexpectedly interrupted by a little disturbance called World War Three, and it shows uh, Mushroom Cloud destroying a city. A tumult that had greater consequences than anyone could have imagined. For mere days afterwards, the very air above the lock began to shimmer, and there appeared a creature of such splendor and such majesty that it could never be called a monster. But only a god. And it's this giant um, green caterpillar? Uh, trilobite? Uh, sort of a caterpillar trilobite sort of thing from, from the looks of it. But anyway, it's got these uh, like atomic symbols like echoing around it. It's got, uh, it's like this caterpillar with, uh, you know how the, some caterpillars are hairy? It has these like, like hairs coming out of it. But the hairs look like antennas. And I don't mean like uh, like a butterfly's antennas. They look like like uh, radio antennas on a car. <laughs> so I don't know if they're made made of metal or I don't know what they are. But anyway, there, there's like uh, antennas all over this dang thing, and some of them are bigger and some of them are smaller. But anyway, it's got like this giant um, weird thing. In a burst of glorious energy, this god chose me as its disciple. He changed me. Gave me a staff through which to focus his divine power. It's like, so this big worm is like, here, have a staff. He bid me to summon followers to his side. And shows him using the giant lollipop. And uh, the sort of local townspeople, apparently, that are being drawn to, uh, to Casper. He says, followers who in the wake of the recent global holocaust were not difficult to find. For the masses were frightened. Eager for a man of leadership, of strength. A man like the new Casper Zed. But the master was still languid, weak, not yet used to his new domain. And so I was given a mission. I was told to subdue the strangers that were approaching. A man-god called Hercules. Two mortals and a boy that was somewhat more than mortal. A boy whose essence shall give the master the power to live, to move to rule, 
and he's he's ranting and raving and he's holding the giant lollipop thing up and it's glowing we got a actually a little bit of pseudo kirby crackle here it's not really kirby crackle because the they're little squares i guess but it, it's very similar to kirby crackle anyway and he, he is firing sort of energy beams out of the staff uh, the lollipop and into the water with a brack and it says a bolt of livid energy spikes through the air, slashing the still foreboding surface of Loch Ness with a fiery summons. Come, master, your freedom awaits. And uh, I, I like the sound effect. Brack, brack, brack. Anyway, um, it says the dark waters churn, royal, and begin to part before the bulk of an ominous something. While nearby, a pair of startled eyes widens in astonishment. And recognition. And then uh, we got a close-up of Hercules' face. By Hera's soul, that's no deity you've summoned, man. That's Oceanus, the Titan. So this giant uh, caterpillar thing is... Uh, ex we're expected to believe that this is a Greek Titan. So, yeah. Anyway, it's going screerg. It reminds me, for all the world, like uh, a monster that you would see uh, on, on Ultraman or Johnny Sacco, one of those uh, Japanese monster TV shows. Uh, I, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Anyway, so uh, Hercules saying, Don't be a fool, Zed. I know this creature. I fought it before, eons ago. It only uses you to help regain its full strength. And when it does, it will destroy you along with every other mortal on this planet. No, you lie. The master needs me. He needs me. And he's shooting more energy out of the lollipop and into the worm. And it says, uh, on the lake, the turmoil continues. While on the shore, a youthful bedraggled body gives the faintest hint of a shudder. Uh, so I guess, uh, yeah, I guess the Kevin is waking up. Hercules says, so be it, villain. If you won't stop this madness, then by all the gods of Olympus, I shall... And Hercules bursts out of the ropes because, you know, they just tied him up in regular ropes. And it's it makes sense that Hercules would be able to break out of that. And Casper's that is like, what? No, you can't interfere. You mustn't. I won't let you. And he uh, takes the giant lollipop thing and he's shooting like lightning at, uh, at Hercules. Hercules is dodging it and the, the lightning goes crack. And Hercules says, you forget who you toy with, Casper Zed, for I am Hercules. By my heritage, I swear what you will or will not allow shall soon be little more than academic. And he's trying to blast Hercules with his beams, and there's a zack, and there's rocks flying all over the place. And Hercules slides down the hill, and he's, he's grabbing some of the rocks that are being displaced by uh, the, the old man shooting the energy beams. And he throws the rock, smashes Casper Zed in the face with a, uh, with a rock the size of a grapefruit. And it says, bap! And I'm assuming that killed him, but anyway. It says, with a soft, wheezing sigh, the stricken shaman crumples unconscious to the ground. While in the lock, the elemental titan, deprived of the animating burst of power, can but lull sluggishly, fused amidst the froth-flecked waters. We must quit this place hurriedly, for the truth comes to me at last, says Hercules. Oceanus must have felt the vibrations of your World War III in the netherworld where he lay dormant and thought that the end of this world had arrived. He undoubtedly traveled here to conquer what remained, may well succeed, for in the past the only weapon effective against a titan was the lightning of Zeus, and I'm afraid there's precious little of that around nowadays. 
Hercules has uh, broken uh, Kevin free from the ropes and has picked him up and is kind of, uh, they're all running away, uh, the, the, the f- uh, five of them, including the dog. And, and Kevin is waking up and he says, maybe, Herc, and maybe not. And Hercules says, what? And, he, and Kevin says, you're forgetting the hydroelectric station. I mean, it may not be real lightning, but it's worth a try. Well, isn't it? Aye, lad, that it is, says Hercules. So they go running for the hydroelectric dam, and it says, A tense calm settles over Loch Ness, as if the troubled waters lie cradled in the eye of some unholy storm, a cruel tempest about to erupt. The uh, Greek people, the the locals, are kind of gathering around Casper, and uh, even though his head really should be crushed by that giant rock that hit him in the face thrown by a god, uh, he doesn't seem to be dead or unconscious. And uh, the people are saying, I don't understand. We were told that Oceanus was all-powerful, but if his chosen one can be so easily defeated... Silence, fool. I am far from being defeated, as those impudent non-believers will quickly and painfully discover. Meanwhile, at the power station above the deceptively peaceful lake, we actually get some photo-referenced pictures of inside of a uh, station. Yeah, so it looks like these are photo-referenced. Either that or... No, well, I'm looking at them. No, maybe not. It could just be like uh, Kirby machines uh, as done by... Uh, Walt Simonson, because actually this doesn't look like something that would actually function. Anyway, uh, uh, anyway, good job of fooling me there, uh, Mr. Simonson. Hercules is giving people orders. Jennifer, get to the walkway outside and watch for any sign of renewed assault. But wouldn't I be of more use here? Nay, woman, this is a man's work. Now hurry. And Kevin is like, Herc, someday we just gotta have that talk about women's lib. And uh, David Riggs says, uh, Let's worry about someday when it arrives, son. Right now, we got a minor miracle to perform. The way I see it, our only chance is to realign these variable rheostats and create an overload. But I'll need you, Hercules, to amalgamate the broken conduits and reestablish the power flow. What David means, Herc, is that you should fuse these metal tubes together. And why didn't he just say so, says Hercules. His very Gilligan uh, line there. Nevertheless... As soon as I've cleared this debris, I'll be happy to oblige. And uh, apparently clearing the debris was just him kind of throwing it aside. And then he holds these two pipes together and there's this giant glow. And Jennifer is up uh, above and on top of the dam and uh, she's, uh, she's fuming because she got left up there because she's a woman. And she's thinking to herself, chauvinists. Just because I don't have the muscles of a Greek god or a degree in electrical engineering doesn't mean I'm useless. Why, well, I bet they don't even think I'd be a good watchdog. Well, I'll show them. I'll... Eee! <laughs> and uh, Hercules hears the uh, scream from uh, below, and he whips around, and he says, I'm afraid you'll have to finish without me, David Rigg, for I need not the wisdom of Athena to know that scream was a cry for... And it is the uh, Oceanus Titan uh, trilobite thing. And it is attacking the uh, hydroelectric dam with Jennifer on the top of it. And Jennifer is, you know, of course, she's afraid because you would be. And Hercules is running forward. He says, get back, Jennifer. This monster and I are old enemies. I almost lost my immortal life to it when we fought before. And though I know not if I can best it a second time. By Zeus, I mean to find out. 
And uh, Hercules takes the very flimsy railing that is on this hydroelectric dam and he tears it up and the sound effect is actually tear. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure quite what that sound might be. He whacks uh, the uh, tight with a squat and uh, it just shatters into a million pieces. And uh, so not a lot of good done there. And Hercules says, blast, it's as I feared. Mere strength is useless against a titan. By the black flames of Tartarus, there's nothing in this world or any other to stay me from trying. And he punches the giant worm with a squunch. And the titan uh, responds to that by taking a, uh, like a tentacle sort of thing and wrapping it around Hercules and pinning his arms. And it says here, But though the sheer strength in Hercules' mighty thews is a force nigh inconceivable to mortal man, that strength means woefully little before the unfettered fury of a raging titan. And it's squeezing Hercules, and he's going, Ugh. And uh, we shift scenes to in the, inside the dam. It says, While in the concrete chamber below, a stammering prayer is whispered. A trembling hand closes about a master switch. And uh, Dave Rigg, he uh, throws the switch with a clack. And it says, The very sky lights up to the blaze of a dynamo unleashed. And there's this uh, sound effect, and there's lots and lots of lightning. And we can see the, uh, they're like, they're almost like Tesla coils, but they're, there's got those lightning shooting out of it. I'm not really sure if this is, this isn't actually what happens with a, a hydroelectric dam, but it's comic, so of course it does. Hercules reaches up and he grabs what appears to be just lightning. I mean, yeah, it's not like a wire or anything. It's not a cable. It just He's just reaching up and grabbing the electricity out of the air, <laughs> which, uh, 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 that, that's painful. Anyway, he, uh, he reaches up and grabs it, and he says, uh, By Zeus, I may have had only determination before, but now the fates offer me a weapon, and may Hades take my soul if I fail to use it. And he takes the lightning, and he smashes down on the tentacle that's holding him, and it lets him go. And he says, your time on this plane is done, Oceanus, for in this battle there can be but one victor and one vanquished. And I swear by all that men hold holy, that victory shall be mine. And he takes the uh, electricity and he hurls it at the Titan and apparently destroys the, uh, the Titan with it. And it uh, says here, like a sword of divine light, the bolt of artificial energy slices through Oceanus' pulpy, undulating flesh. You, sending the timeless titan spasming, shrieking, withering back to the nameless void from whence it came. So there's a giant shraz, very crudely lettered shraz, and it looks like the titan has been defeated. We then shift to a few minutes later, apparently, says epilogue. Moments later, after Hercules' semi-conscious form has been carried from the concrete battlements, uh, so they've uh, picked up Hercules and dragged him away. They've laid Hercules down, and Kevin is examining him, and uh, Jennifer is like, Kevin, is he? Nah, Jen, Herc's okay, he's just exhausted. Well, who wouldn't be, after all, he... Uh, some kind of flash from the shore, like something... And uh, the, the, the people are... Um, over with uh, with Casper Zed, and apparently there's been this sort of explosion. It's a, a burst of light with a sst. The, the people are saying, exploded. The staff exploded. Then we've been tricked all along. He's just like the rest of us. No, 
You don't understand. It's all a mistake, says Casper. And so, yeah, he's lost his weapon, and he's going, Please come back. Can't you see? I'm Casper Zed. I'm important. Important. I'm important. And everybody has gone running away in two panels and says, Footsteps fade as the setting sun casts shadow over day's end and over the remnants of one man's dream. And that is Hercules Unbound, number seven. We do have a few things to say about this issue, which we will do right after this message. The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, in which four guys talk about romance comics and about romances in comics with Siskoid. We're all uh, French Canadians here. Marty! In horror comics, there's often like this little, you know, <laughs> romance tinge, I guess. Okay. Bass! <laughs> we oh, just yeah. turned on him! <laughs> and yours truly, Fern. I'm very aroused. Featuring the overproduced wonder that is Romance Comics Theater every episode. Dan, I knew it couldn't last from the first day you eyeballed me when I reported to work. It wouldn't matter if I washed in laundry soap and came to work in a burlap sack. I'd turn you on. And you have the same effect on me. I... I do? The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, available on iTunes. We've had a comic book romance. And we are back. And of course, we have a few things to say about this issue. And uh, so I will say, I've already noticed the change. There has been a change in this issue. Um, the, the story is still dumb. <laughs> There's no question of that. I mean, I, I'm actually pretty happy that they decided not to have the real Loch Ness Monster come and save the day because that's the kind of thing I can see happening in this series. But, you know, I mean, it's just kind of convenient that this fake Loch Ness Monster thing is a titan from Greek mythology because, you know, the monsters from Greek mythology, yeah, I mean, they're, they're real and they're all over the world and apparently in Scotland as well. Yeah, there, there's a few kind of dumb ideas here, but I think the story is actually a step up from what we've had in the past. Other than maybe the, the first couple of issues where we had a little bit more coherent storyline with, uh, you know, um, Cerberus and all that, but the... I like the fact that they're actually, this is a one and done. You know, it's not a very involved story. The one real issue that I have with it is the, the electricity that, that Hercules is just grabbing like it's solid. That's just not, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just why Hercules Unbound doesn't have the best reputation. Um, and, and it's something that, that deserves ridicule. I mean, that's just kind of a stupid idea. Hercules has never had that kind of ability before, has he? I mean, I've, I've never known any kind of version of Hercules that can just grab electricity out of the air because that's essentially what he's doing. But it, and even if there were like lightning bolts kind of streaking past him, I still don't think that Hercules could have grabbed it. Anyway, so that's kind of dumb. And uh, you, I could see them running a wire into the water or something and, and electrocuting the Titan that way. I mean, that, that would have made a lot more sense. It would have been more dangerous for the people who were there. But anyway, yeah, it's a fantasy series. You're not supposed to take it too seriously. But it is kind of fun to make fun of because that's just stupid. 
Anyway, uh, at least there was no talking gorilla because, you know, we've had that in the past. Um, going to talk about the art a little bit because we've shifted art here. Obviously, now Walt Simonson is the artist on this book. So the, the art does change. Now, Wally Wood is still doing the inks on this issue. So it's, it's got a common look to the issues that we've had in the past. But by and large, it is better. The uh, characters are still, I don't know, they're, they're sketchily drawn. And judging from this, this issue, I don't know that if Walt Simonson had ever actually seen a dog before. But I think that uh, by and large, the characters look okay. I think that what is making this... I don't know. It's reducing the the uh, the quality a little bit. Is the sketchiness of the artwork? I think that Simonson is doing layouts for wood to finish, and there's not a lot of what you would consider a modern Simonson sort of look to this. This is not Simonson at at as he later became you know, a much more accomplished artist. This is Simonson at the beginning of his career. And I th- I don't know if th- at this point he's still trying to ape uh, Garcia Lopez and, and keep some continuity in the look of the series. We know that as the series goes on, though, Simonson is allowed to, to uh, allow his own style to come through a little bit more. So... I think at this point that DC had some a pretty good idea here that this book was not going to last for a long time. There's a lot of gratuitous tits and ass in this, which uh, I guess is is unusual for the 70s. But we have you know this character of Jennifer who a lot of times is in poses that show off her boobs or her butt, and even the uh, the servants of of Casper Zed, we, we we get some of that with them too. So there's definitely uh, some sexualization going on in here uh, of the of the female characters. I don't know how much of that is Simonson and how much of that is Wally Wood. Wally Wood was kind of notorious for that. So, yeah, it, it could be that Simonson was drawing characters that he knew Wood would enjoy inking. I, I, that could be. Or it could just be that uh, the powers that be is like, okay, yeah, don't, don't be afraid to you know, show a woman's butt. I mean, I don't know that, that uh, people today would appreciate it in the same way that, that they did back then. Hell, I don't know if they appreciated this back then. But the, the artwork, by and large, it is generally okay. Uh, I would say it's a step above what Garcia Lopez was doing. Uh, so I, so I, I'm getting the, the sense, especially when you get these close-ups of, of Hercules, that they have a few of these in, in the issue. I think that uh, when we get these close-ups, you get kind of a better sense of of Simonson as opposed to Wally Wood's inks or indeed uh, Garcia Lopez's designs before him. Uh, yeah, there's, there's generally the characters are just a little bit more realistic. So going back to this page I was talking about earlier, this is page 25 of the issue, and this is the scene where they're inside the hydroelectric dam and they're looking at the machine. Yeah, I'm not sure if this is photo referenced or not. I, this could just be, yeah, Kirby machinery. If if it is, it did a pretty good job of making it look like uh, it could be functional. I mean, a lot of Kirby machinery is is very ornate, but you don't really get a sense that this could actually do anything. Here, I don't know. I mean, you do have this sort of look of industrial machinery, and, and maybe maybe this could be 
hydroelectric dam turbines or something. I'm not really sure. Uh, I'd have to look at some pictures and, and see what the inside of a hydroelectric dam looks like to know. And as you all know, I'm lazy. I'm not going to do that. Anyway, so yeah, kind of dumb story. Art better than it has been. And uh, we're starting to see a little bit here of Walt Simonson creeping out. Some of the faces, interestingly enough, and maybe this is just wood zinking style, uh, remind me a little bit of Don Heck. So, and I, I think I may have said that also about uh, Garcia Lopez. So, so maybe this is a Wally Wood thing. But you, there are some pages, uh, especially like I'm um, looking at page 27, uh, 26, I'm sorry, where uh, the, uh, the Titan is attacking and we actually get to see a lot more of the Titan. That's definitely a Simonson creature. It's not like anything we've ever seen before. There's no way you could actually say that's the Loch Ness Monster. I mean, this is just like this giant bug. So, yeah, I, I don't think anybody has ever claimed that the Loch Ness Monster is some sort of giant bug. But anyway, cool, cool, I guess. You know, this is not the greatest comic ever. All right. So with that being said, it is time to wrap up the show. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also find us over on the Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard there, and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.